If you're finding that you're feeling stressed, have no outlet to share your emotions and thoughts and put things down on paper, then you may want your very own self-love journal. It's customizable and personalized so you can choose your front cover, whichever resonates most with your body. This self-love journal is a safe space to document all of your experiences, reflect on your thoughts and be in touch with your emotions. It's been crafted to uplift, inspire and empower women. Your self-love journal will help you achieve all of your small and lifelong goals and most importantly, help you fall in love with yourself. You can pick either the three or six month journal, pop your name on the front, make it personalized to you, and it'll walk you through bi-weekly phases where you can plan your goals, manifest, write down your worries and work out how you want to combat them and overcome them, teach you all about affirmations and how they can positively impact your mental health and your mindset, and also a weekly spread where you can knuckle down on those to-dos and achieve your goals. Just head over to www.selflovejournal.co.uk to shop. Hey everyone and welcome back to It's Your Life and This Is Mine, the podcast with your host Charlotte Emily Price. I'm with Emily Hutchinson and we're going to talk about hidden disabilities and you're happy to open up about your hidden disabilities, um, which I'm really grateful for that you're happy to come on and chat about it. Um, How have you been recently before we get into it? Good, yeah. I think because the weather has picked up, I think it's picked my mental health up Mm -hmm. and I think I've now just got this attitude where just do it and kind Mm -hmm. of live your life how you want to live your life mm-hmm. I think we always kind of lived really like enclosed and not wanting to kind of do anything mm-hmm. whereas now I've kind of free and, and liberated yeah yeah definitely. oh that's so lovely um we're obviously going to talk about hidden disabilities and you're going to tell me about it because yeah. obviously I don't know much about it you've given me like a brief sort of synopsis yeah. Um, but did you say about osteoarthritis in yeah. your message? So yeah. I, I've got a definition. This is from Google, so you can tell me if this is wrong from yeah. your experience. Um, but it says osteoarthritis is a condition that causes joints to become painful and stiff. It's the most common type of arthritis in the UK. The main symptoms of osteoarthritis are joint pain and stiffness and problems moving the joints. Some people also have symptoms such as swelling, tenderness, grating or crackling when moving the affected joints. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, my osteoarthritis has stemmed from something I was born with. Mm-hmm. So I was born with hip dysplasia, um, which is basically where it's out of the socket when you're born. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't actually pick it up until I was 16 months. So I kind of developed around it. Um, so as soon as they picked it up, my mum and dad actually ended up having going private because mm-hmm. they were just saying I was I was premature. So I think they blamed it on that, um, that I wasn't developing enough because um, I wasn't crawling I wasn't doing anything at 16 months and then when they actually went to a consultant it was a matter of weeks and they'd mm-hmm. have done the first operation um obviously I have no recollection of that um and there was some hope that it would kind of that would be it so for people that catch it at the hip check straight mm-hmm. away it is kind of done there and then they start the process of hip spikers, operations, anything to try and like get the mobility back to normal for the child in its long mm-hmm. run. Um, but obviously because they didn't find mine, I'd kind of developed around it. So I was then a late developer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it stemmed. And then I got first diagnosed with osteoarthritis in my left hip in 2014 Mm -hmm. um i did have other operations in 2008 and then 2010 
um, which I think they hoped they would be the last. They told me that it wouldn't be kind of the long-term fix, but they said that I should get through most of my adolescent years and early like adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they discharged me at 13, but less than six months later, mm-hmm. I just had more problems, so I had to do the whole referral thing again. Yeah. And then we actually decided to go private just to get it quicker, um, and that's when they first found osteoarthritis in my left ear. Mm-hmm. So how... Because you're young, young, right? And that's what yeah. you were saying. You you were quite young when yeah. you had um, this happening. So like, how did you sort of like navigate that, I guess? Were you... Did you feel like it was not a normal thing to be going through at your age? Or were you like, yeah. it was all you knew? So it didn't seem that... I abnormal. think I've always kind of felt different, even through primary school mm-hmm. and secondary. I was never really able to do like PE. I wasn't able to do kind of like the year six residential, yeah. nothing like that. Um, so I always felt like I stuck out, mm-hmm. but I don't think I actually did. Mm-hmm. Just my in my head, mm-hmm. I was like a problem child. Um, and then... I think it wasn't until kind of year 11 going into sixth form where I really felt like everyone was like starting to learn to drive, kind Mm -hmm. of going on early nights out Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of stuck in my house, like not Mm -hmm. very happy about being able to not do anything. Um, That's when it first started to affect my mobility a lot more than it previously did. I think it was the last year of sixth form in 20... Well, I finished sixth form in 2018 and then the January 2019, I had my hip replacement, mm-hmm. um, which was the idea that it would solve my issues. Um, but little did I actually know that the x-ray they did, it then showed on my right that I had it. Um, the same osteoarthritis... And that was due to how I've walked. And I was going to say, that's because, yeah, yeah. that is probably because that so is, all the pressure was on that. I kind of expected it because they'd always mentioned the fact that it would start to become hip dysplasia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has. But their issue is now that because I'm still struggling with my left so much, they won't operate on my right until it's strong enough for me to weight bear fully through my left. So it's kind of we're a catch-22 mm-hmm. at the moment yeah so how with the hip replacement how how do how is that operation um so for me I was actually one of his youngest ever patients to have it right um so he was very optimistic because of my age so obviously mm-hmm. usually age is on your side um and I think he kind of said to me that it would be 70-30 chances of kind of feeling fixed. Mm -hmm. So he said I'd always have kind of pain because of scar tissue around my hip um, and from all the operations, which I kind of accepted. And I always knew I'd have arthritis around the joint, no matter if it was fake or real. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think I anticipated actually having it. Mm Because you all, I just thought hip replacements were for old people, which is ignorant on my part. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just kind of why. Mm-hmm. It was just a strange feeling of I'm actually 
I felt like I'd lost control of me. Mm-hmm. So he kind of he made me think that it was gonna fix things, but obviously it hasn't. Um, it did for the first thirteen weeks, so my recovery was really good. I actually got up out of bed the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, I started on a frame, then I went to two six, and then I was discharged with one stick around the house and two outside. So I was really happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually only spent two nights in the hospital, so oh, it was quite nice that it wasn't. I was used to long stays in hospital. Mm-hmm. Like a swift recovery. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, this is great. I only had paracetamol. Like, there was no real pain relief or anything. I didn't need it. I was under sedation and I had an epidural, so I wasn't actually fully knocked out. Because, um, yeah, I don't like anaesthetics. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was just... I came around and I was like, part of me's missing. Like, it felt like I'd kind of become attached to this hip because that's all I've ever known yeah and now I've lost it and it's like I had to then learn how to walk again kind of use it properly but after the 13 week mark the pain just came straight back right and it was at that point where I was like regret I literally looked at him in the face I was like I regret this decision but obviously <laughs> can't take it back yeah but it was like, I feel like I've gone from bad to worse. Yeah. And then that came, the embarrassment mm-hmm. of actually using a stick outside. Mm-hmm. And because it was like a proper walking stick, not a crutch, again, in my head, I was like, I'm an old person. Like, mm-hmm. I just look old. Um, and I, I felt like a bit of a fraud because you see all these old people and I work with the elderly and I'm just like... I don't want to be like them and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm feeling their pain and I know how it feels to be like that yeah. um and that's when I first went into working with the elderly because I was like I felt really close oh, to them that's so lovely like yeah. um I, I don't know I just I feel like that's really nice that you've sort of built that connection yeah. from feeling like empathizing with them yeah. essentially right like I think it's easier to talk to them because a lot more of the elderly have gone through the operation and I mean the success rate is like amazing mm-hmm. like and I would looking back now it was inevitable I was gonna have to have it done so I don't really think I can regret it mm-hmm. it's just one of them things he did warn me that it could have gone wrong it hasn't failed because the actual prosthetic is perfect it's mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it but it's everything around it there's like muscle damage and weakness so my actual walking is a lot worse now than it was before but i think it's just learning the new normal when you first sort of like went through it was there any like other challenges that you faced in maybe everyday life that you didn't think were going to be challenges yeah i think obviously university so Mm -hmm. i was actually at a brick uni at the time i felt like i walked into lecture halls and just got stared at Mm. because i had one stick and i was like to me there's no issue with that i've never looked at anyone that way but i think it's because i've been through it and Mm -hmm. i know the the embarrassment so i would never kind of look at someone and think 
why is she on a stick? Like, why yeah. she got a stick? But I think it's just natural for people to wonder. But they never asked me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if someone asked me, I'd happily tell them. Mm-hmm. But if they're just rude and ignorant about situations, part of me just thinks, what's the point in trying with them? Because yeah. they're obviously not wanting to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got support, but there was parts of the uni that were accessible, so I couldn't do some of my seminars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of made me feel again a bit of regret like oh if I didn't have it done I would be able to do my uni work mm-hmm. um but I think it's just adjusting and realizing that it's one part of me not it's not the whole thing yeah I think that from speaking to other people as well I think when you go through any trauma in life or any adversity or face anything like that you get consumed by it right and you think that that's like the only part of you or you only believe to exist as that part of you and it really like consumes you um and it's unlearning that behavior right that you the point of you being alive sort of thing which is what it it feels like that at the time though when you are consumed in it and just having to teach yourself that you are so much more than like a disability or a condition that you have or whatever you know yeah like I used to always think whenever I walked be like oh I'm limping people are gonna wonder what Mm -hmm. I'm doing like it's not normal to see someone of my age limp Mm -hmm. and walk with a weakness and there's quite a lot of times back at home where I'm thinking I could do with my walking stick Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be stared at Mm -hmm. and I think it's like using disabled toilets obviously I can walk so people just think there's nothing wrong with me yeah um I mean now quite a lot of disabled toilets say not all like disabilities are visible but I feel like it needs to be screamed from the rooftops that yeah, because it's something I don't even yeah. think about. Like, I'm ignorant too. Like, you don't think... Not that I would judge anyone, but, you know, you don't really consider yeah. that there are hidden disabilities and why people would still need to use those yeah, toilets like, and things. like, obviously, I can apply for a blue badge. I can do this, I can do that. But in my head, parking... Taking up someone's parking space that needs a wheelchair, mm-hmm. to me, just doesn't sit right with me because I don't need a wheelchair Mm -hmm. I can walk that extra distance that they can't so obviously like with my mobility getting worse I would apply for one but I'm still in the back of my head still aware that there's people worse off than me Mm -hmm. and it's not kind of it shouldn't be how you look that defines your disability Mm mm-hmm but I think people don't see it like yeah. that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so for you now, I know like my mum has rheumatoid arthritis. I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. Yeah. Um, and I know there's not a cure for that. And I mean, I know she still suffers like really badly um, with it and her effect in her joints. And like she's been put on medicines. I know you can get prescribed stuff. Yeah. Is there anything you're cu- that you are currently on like that so, helps you? I'm on pain relief, a mm-hmm. lot of pain relief. Um, but in terms of physio we tried physio mm-hmm. and I was just in too much pain it wasn't working, working for me um, obviously for someone that has their own joint a hip replacement would be the answer for them um, in the long term 
but I think we're at a process now where we're trying to actually investigate why I'm in so much pain because all my scans my x-rays and everything are actually coming back fine um but obviously I'm in pain so something's not fine um and to be fair he has not given up he's constantly looking for ways to find out what it is like every time I go see him he does he has like a portable ultrasound scanner and he'll find another muscle and put some local anaesthetic in Mm -hmm. and within 20 minutes I would know if that's the area that's the problem so every time I go see him he's trying something new Mm -hmm. like he's told me he won't give up like finding the answer um he has said that if he can't find the answer he will send me over to someone else so I do believe there's hope yeah for sure it's just I think from 2019 to now obviously because of Covid it kind of just stopped in its tracks Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's something it's just you just can, can never yeah. know what it is. It's just annoying without it's, extra eyes. Yeah, and figuring out how to, like, manage it at least. Like, yeah. and just being like, there doesn't have to be a cure. Like, obviously it would be great, but to, to take the pain away or whatever. But if there even there's a way to manage it, I mean, it's better than yeah, definitely. nothing and losing all sort of hope with that sort of thing. So moving a little bit more into, you know, how you said you felt embarrassed about it. Yeah. Um, do you mind elaborating maybe a bit more about that and like yeah. how you face was it was it like a straightaway thing like after you'd had the hip replacement yeah. and you were using the stick yeah and... I think it was more in my head I thought what people were thinking mm-hmm. not actually what was happening yeah so I am quite an overthinker so as soon as I had it done I was like people are just gonna ask why mm-hmm. people aren't gonna understand why a 20 year old has had hip replacement and even kind of when I get admitted now for like day surgery or something, as soon as I say I've had a hip replacement, even the nurses question it and be like, really, like at your age? So I think that's kind of now really deep rooted in me that mm-hmm. at my age, that's not normal. So people will always question it. Mm-hmm. So I think I've just kind of come to terms with the fact that it's nothing to actually be embarrassed about it's just people don't understand yeah um and i am open and i will tell people if they ask me it's just obviously to actually live through it mm. it's quite traumatic to have to always yeah tell the story yeah no i do appreciate you coming on and speaking about it because i know it can be very difficult to sort of like open up and share something like that so i do really appreciate you being vulnerable and like opening up do you think there's anything we can share or people can do to like help with this issue and maybe making you feel like less alone and less yeah I think being a bit more aware that everyone is going through something yeah and what you might say might impact someone differently to anyone else Mm -hmm. and I think like my one biggest thing is when people have children just get their hips checked like it's a standard thing in the UK anyway to get them checked yeah but obviously if you're not happy you get a second opinion because if my mum and dad didn't get that second opinion mm-hmm. it would have been drawn out even longer and 
the success rate in the first surgery if it's actually found really like as a baby is amazing like I know there are quite a lot of people that had the surgery and have had no more intervention mm-hmm. which that kind of plays a massive part on my mental health because to me it just frustrates me that it wasn't found on me mm-hmm. so my biggest thing to anyone is if your head and heart is saying there's not something right you need to just get it checked because yeah. it's just not worth sitting on it mm-hmm. yeah I think it's like we know our bodies better than anyone else yeah. and like how we feel so we really do need to speak up about it and yeah. like not let things or our minds gaslight us I guess yeah like obviously well you can see me but they can't but it has made me gain a lot of weight because of the lack of mobility that I do have Mm -hmm. on a daily basis and my partner does help unbelievable amounts and does a lot for me so I think the other side of the embarrassment was I've lost my independence Mm -hmm. so I can't do my own shoes and socks which Mm -hmm. is like to me that's crazy because I'm 22 Mm -hmm. to me I should be able to do my shoes and socks but like to my dad and my boyfriend that's just all they've ever known like Mm -hmm. they just do it so I think it's good to have a support network around me like I don't think I'd necessarily have got through the past like four years without them Mm -hmm. um so yeah I just think you just need yeah. to surround yourself with people that are positive yeah, beautiful people that yeah. are kind hearted and yeah. gonna put themselves on earth yeah. for you have you ever had any like bad experiences with people not understanding and you've had to cut them off because of not being part of your support network and... I mean the majority of my bad experiences have been with strangers so if I've mm-hmm. used a disabled yeah. toilet and I come out well you're not disabled you can walk and it's like yeah. yeah do you usually respond to that are you quite like um it or... depends the type of person mm-hmm. I usually try and explain it more to the elderly mm-hmm. because they say it with a bit more concern rather than spite yeah um and they do it's more of a question from them I mm-hmm. find it's like oh how come you're having to use a disabled toilet rather than you shouldn't be using the disabled yeah. toilet and as soon as you say oh well I've got osteoarthritis they understand yeah and they're like oh that's fair enough mm-hmm. and I do get apologies they do say sorry mm-hmm. but it's the type of people that they don't want to know they're just out to get me to get a reaction from someone yeah yeah it's like they want an argument and Mm -hmm. I would never argue it's just pointless Mm -hmm. and obviously it is a personal thing but I do want to educate people Mm -hmm. because I'm not the only person with osteoarthritis at my age Mm -hmm. um and it can feel lonely because you read all the articles and it's like over 65 over 75s and you're like what about me yeah but I think even like nursing staff and GPs I just don't think they've seen it and that's not their fault Mm -hmm. it's just something that I'll happily say to them oh yeah like it is what it is um and most of them are quite like 
apologetic, concerned, like kind about it. Mm-hmm. But you do get comments of, oh, well, that was found late. And it's like, well, yeah, it was, but that's in the past now. Yeah, like, please don't bring that up. Yeah, but I think because obviously I'm not with the same GP practice as I was as a baby. Yeah. And they were the ones that kind of were in denial that there was anything wrong. I find other GPs like to make a comment on that. And they're like, oh, well, it's quite easy to, like, find and diagnose. I'm like... Yes. It's not what you want to hear, is it? Like, it's just keep it to themselves. It's not very helpful. Yeah. And I do find kind of now the left hip is actually in advanced stages of osteoarthritis. I find they don't really like to have the intervention. They kind of pass over to my consultant. Um, So my consultant is the one that first suggested a pain relief for me. Mm -hmm. And the doctors don't like to kind of mess around with that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fair enough. But obviously you can't get to see a consultant and speak to a consultant all the time. So... I think sometimes they just say, oh, well, you know, you're too advanced for our help. Like, go to your consultant. You're under a consultant. But they're, like, the primary care that I rely on to help me. Um, And most of them do. Yeah. I think it's just a select few that... I think it's denial more than anything. I don't think mm-hmm. sometimes when they probably read my care file, they're like, all this. <laughs> like, yeah. really? Um, like, I don't think I'd want to read my care file. <laughs> like, I don't know how they do the job they do. Mm-hmm. Like, hats off to them, because yeah. I couldn't. But, yeah, I think it's just the awareness that young people can have hidden disabilities yeah and well anyone can mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be you shouldn't walk into a normal toilet and looking over at a disabled toilet thinking why is she coming out of there yeah like that never crosses my mind no same like if a child's in front of me to just go to the toilet i don't i don't mind like i will just stand and wait but i need the help to get up mm-hmm. so i need the like rails next to the toilet yeah. to push up from um but i think toilet cubicles are just too small yeah <laughs> like full stop yeah. yeah some of them especially like i always find in theaters they have really yeah. really tiny toilets like yeah. i can barely fit myself like in the door like in the doors of them like yeah. between the space i find Obviously, most disabled toilets are raised as well, mm-hmm. so they're not as like low down to get down. Um, so obviously, they're all designed for a wheelchair, which is great. But I don't think like places realise that it's actually so helpful mm-hmm. to have the aids next to you yeah. and the raised toilet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm lucky because the hotel we're staying in they've actually put us in an accessible room and I didn't even ask for it oh, that's so, good. so I was expecting it to be a bath and have a problem because I can't get in and out yeah, of baths yeah. but it was a wet room so I was really happy nice but then I felt bad so I was like I've not paid for an accessible room yeah but 
then again it was they probably wouldn't have put you in if it was there wasn't a demand for it i guess yeah definitely so that's really helpful yeah that's nice a good good sign so with your like obviously you said about the embarrassment and everything and combating that like you seem really like to me sat here you seem really confident and like passionate about it um which you should be like it's it's so good that you've been like been able to embrace something that other people would be so ignorant to like look at or hear about yeah so um yeah i really do appreciate your time and like speaking up about it because i feel like it's so important to raise awareness about things like this where people are so ignorant um what have you been able to do to like combat those feelings of like you know embarrassment or like you shouldn't be feeling the way you are at your age or whatever like how have you been able to like accept that and be like take it in your stride like you should because obviously the older i get the more experiences i am able to do Mm -hmm. like working with the elderly it just gives you a whole new perspective on life Mm -hmm. like the stories you hear and the amount of stuff they go through in their life and you're like well i can do that like i'm like some of them have like been born with things and you're like oh that's like me like and they're still here (laughs) they've done it I think it's their encouragement like they're always so positive like it's not oh well yeah you're stuck with it it's always oh well there's always things to do you know there's people to talk to there's things and even some of them will recommend things and it's like even if they recommend a physiotherapist to me that's just heartwarming because they're actually looking out for a stranger like I've never met these people before I mean, there's people at work that obviously I work with, but it's just knowing that they've got that far and seeing into the future, it's not bleak. Mm -hmm. It can be done. Like, it's not... Nice, genuine people. Like, I feel like the elderly are just so... Oh, I don't know. I just want to, like, hug them all. They're just so so the sweetest. Yeah. Yeah, precious is the word. And people in the world. Um... So yeah, that that must be so rewarding working with those people, like yeah. insightful and like helpful for you. Jobs at the moment, mm-hmm. but obviously I've worked with dementia, mm-hmm. um, and I've I had a nana with dementia, um, and that just gave me a whole perspective on life. Like I basically watched her lose herself, and I think I'm like Emily, you've actually got a life. Just live it no matter what's wrong with you just embrace it and i think the statistics nowadays for things when you're older you just need to do everything like i'm at this stage now where if i want something i'll buy it if i want to do something i'll do it i'm not kind of sitting around just waiting yeah Yeah. i feel like you saying that really made me think back to Christmas like when my granddad passed like yeah. it really seeing those last stages of his life like I feel like it ignited something in me and was like just live and do whatever yeah. you want because you never know what's going to happen to you yeah. like do it now I think till you experience like someone end of life mm-hmm. I don't think you have a full appreciation of life I agree with like, you like I watched my nana and my granny in their end stages and I'm like you just look in their eyes and you're like oh my god that's a life mm-hmm. and they've had like 70 80 years of pure happiness and then then in their men's stages 
they're still happy even though they know they're not going to be with us for long Mm -hmm. and I'm like Emily just Mm -hmm. live I know it's I think it does open such a good perspective um with grief like that's probably one of the good things that you can take from it uh, because at the time it just feels like it's lost 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 negative 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 yeah but you have to just try and draw positives out of that situation and think like it'll it can change your perspective on how you want to live yours and you know appreciate the life and world you're living in yeah like I think my nana was my first experience with it and then obviously that kind of gave me a perspective and then when my granny pretty much went the same way apart from the dementia I was like life Mm -hmm. is just too precious to Mm -hmm. just sit around and do nothing Mm -hmm. like grab your walking stick and go out girl don't Mm -hmm. just sit at home and dwell like I could easily just sit at home and eat a bag of crisps every day and just think no screw life Mm -hmm. but then you look at your grandparents and you're like well they've done it like your great-grandparents have lived through a war Mm -hmm. like now I've lived through a pandemic if I can live through a pandemic I can probably do most things yeah if we can survive lockdown I feel like we can do quite a lot of things 100% 100% um so before we close the episode do you do you have you can summarize something we've already said to be honest um what's one piece of advice that we'd like to send out to someone right now who is navigating accepting themselves whether that be because they've got a hidden disability or something similar yeah i think it's just love yourself Mm -hmm. like your disability your mental health anything nothing defines you no you are you and the only person that is going to bring you down is yourself it's only a small part of you I'd say like you think these things like we were saying earlier are like your whole life but just because I have depression doesn't mean that that is me yeah that's just a tiny part of me yeah exactly I think obviously when people close to me see me I just think oh well that's all I see just my osteoarthritis having to look after me having to do things for me that I want to do myself but then in hindsight, it's not. No. It's definitely not. Like, there's so much more to life than mm-hmm. just sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to feel sorry for myself. And I, I, on some days I do, I just sit there yeah. and I'm like, why me? But then other days I'm like, Emily, there's so much worse. Mm-hmm. Like, there's people fighting for their lives every day. Mm-hmm. So, just perspective isn't it but yeah. like, and allowing yourself if you do feel like shit one day like I think that's also fine but yeah. then just being able to snap out and be like right yeah you've got this life I think like, my boyfriend keeps me kind of in check like I'll that's sit good. there and I'll be like oh Matthew I'm just sick of this like I just want it to stop and there is quite a lot of times throughout the day most days that if I can't do something I'll go in a hump about it mm-hmm. I'll be like like walking up tube station stairs mm-hmm yeah it's the burn of my life like I live in a bungalow so I'm mm-hmm. not really used to a lot of stairs yeah so like coming to London it is a lot harder mm-hmm. and there is things where like, I have to take regular breaks like every half an hour I'm in a different mm-hmm. coffee shop but it's just realizing that 
I'm still doing it. Yeah. I'm still getting round London. It's just my way. Yeah, it really pisses me off that the tube, all the tube stations aren't accessible. Don't it? Like, like, I mean, I mean, you probably yeah. feel more passionate, but like, I genuinely all I think about it constantly because that's why I wasn't really able to bring my grandparents like round here and yeah. stuff because it's not really fair. Yeah, like my worry before I came, I looked up places to hire Billy scooters, mm-hmm. wheelchairs, and I'm like. No, Emily, just take regular breaks. Yeah. Just don't feel pressured. Like, when I walk up the stairs, I take forever. But I'm like, I'm doing it. Like, don't feel bad that you're holding up people behind you because you're doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's just having a positive look on life myself. Mm -hmm. Like, just don't be a Debbie Downer all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. so before we go I get the previous guest to ask a question for the next guest and my guest before basically asked what would you say to your younger self right now um, if you could like speak to say your 13 year old self or something I think I'd just tell myself that it's okay not to be okay Mm -hmm. because there is days where you just feel rubbish and Mm -hmm. that's totally normal Mm -hmm. but at the same time just embrace life mm-hmm. like I don't think at 13 you realise what's ahead of you mm-hmm. you're so fixated on yeah. school and school culture that yeah. that's all that like, takes up your time I used to think school was the worst thing in life mm-hmm. but now I would literally go back to school in a happy <laughs> like it's just mad <laughs> like you know when your parents always go you'll wish you were back there one day yeah like yeah. I'm at that stage where I'm like I think it's just the routine like you knew what lessons you were doing you'd wake up, have breakfast go to school, come back and chill mm-hmm. whereas now it's kind of doing the weekly field shop yeah like cleaning everything Oh God. Yeah. doing the laundry and the, changing the bed is the worst thing ever I hate yeah. it so much <laughs> it's just it's not a vibe adult life I know like and just, balancing adult life is the worst part about it like yeah. what do I put invest my time in the most money yep yeah save for a house <sighs> start <Yes>. saving at 13 <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> put all of your money don't buy a single thing yeah. <laughs> that's so funny um, do you have a question that we can set for the next guest it literally can be anything it can be super light hearted it doesn't have to be deep if there was one place you wanted to visit in the world where would it be and why oh yeah that's a good one I love a yeah. bit of travel um, is there any also social medias, platforms, charities, small businesses, literally can be absolutely anything that you wanted to shout out? I think just Arthritis UK. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a backseat, just read all the pages on it, but I think it just summarises everything so well. Mm-hmm. So obviously I just used to think arthritis with arthritis, mm-hmm. but obviously I never knew that there was different types of arthritis until I've actually experienced it. Shout out to you, you're so positive. Yeah. Like, I think your positive attitude on social media has kind of... I would never have worn a dress. Like, I'm sat in a dress with my legs out and my partner was like, I've not seen you in a dress in eight years. my God. Like, I've not had my legs out in eight years. And I think why like just yeah. be happy like yeah. wear just, what you want to wear yeah and i think that's your like your attitude like i see you like your instagram posts i'm like well charlotte don't care 
yeah so why should i yeah for sure like i think most of the time i do feel like obviously i have bad days as well yeah. which i try and show where i don't feel like that and i yeah. feel uncomfortable i think you're things. really realistic like mm. some people on platforms that it's just perfect all the time and i'm like that's who i compare myself to mm-hmm. i don't think oh well charles having a down day so that's okay mm-hmm. it's like oh but they're perfect like they're walking around Covent Garden loving life mm-hmm. why am I sat in my bedroom like yeah. but yeah I think you just put a real realistic spin on life oh thank you I, that's what I'm trying to do because I feel like I've done so many years of comparing myself to all these like fake perfect people that yeah. don't actually exist no um so yeah that's what I try I try and share both moments even though it's sometimes weird to like pick up the camera when you're feeling upset but I do feel like it is helpful so yeah well I mean it's an event for you isn't it you just talk Mm. to us in a way like you know that you're gonna reach people by Mm -hmm. doing it and I think if you just help one person that's yeah yeah I think that's kind of why I'm so open because I think, well, if I could just reach to one person that it's okay to feel like this, then that's one person I've helped. Yeah, you've done your job in the yeah. world. Yeah, I mean, that's all I want to do, really, help people. Yeah. Which is sort of why I wanted to do this podcast. So, like, anyone listening right now who might be feeling lost or, like, alone in whatever they're struggling with, whether it's something we discussed in this episode or you're just here to educate yourself, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just feel like it's such a nice yeah. way to... A way, a way to learn and hopefully help people out there yeah that's the aim 100% yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything no, I really okay. appreciate it and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day in London thank you <laughs> thank you and I'll see you next week for another episode bye, bye.